chapter 2. We'll probably look at the first 20 verses or so, Lord willing. Let's pray and then we'll jump in. God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for the freedom to come here and to hear your word. And I pray, dear Lord, that we can rejoice in the word that we are about to hear, that we can rejoice in the message that was brought before those shepherds all those years ago, dear Lord, that as we hear the same good news today when we read our Bible and we hear this story, that we would rejoice in it and that we would share it with others. I pray that you be with us tonight. Let your Holy Spirit speak to us. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen. We've looked the last couple of Sundays and last Wednesday we talked about Mary and Joseph. And so tonight we are continuing on with the story of the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. So the story is set for us here. Mary and Joseph have both been told by the angel that Mary is going to have birth for, of the Savior. She's going to give birth to a child, and, and Mary rejoices in that. And, and when, when Joseph finds the news out, he's reluctant to take her as his wife, but the angel Gabriel appears to him and says, Look, Joseph, this is of the Lord. And Joseph says, Okay, whatever you call me to do, Lord, I'm going to do it. So they're both willing and ready to give birth to this child. And as time has passed by, the story is being set for us. Mary and Joseph have to go register. They have to go pay some taxes. They have to go take care of some of some some stuff that's got to be done. You know what kind of stuff that is when you got to take care of stuff that the government tells you you got to do, and that's what they were doing. They were doing what they needed to do, and that sets the scene for us. Verse 4, And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. Now, it's significant here where it says that they are, are from. It says that they uh, went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, and where did they go to? To Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now, it's significant that Bethlehem is mentioned here because in the Old Testament it was prophesied that that's where the Messiah was going to come from. And so, as Jesus often does, he fulfills the prophecies that we see in the Old Testament. They're all pointing us to Jesus who is to come, even the birthplace of the Messiah. Verse 6, While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him snugly in cloth, and laid him in a feeding trough, because there was no room for them at the lodging place. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So the birth of the Savior has taken place, and and of all places that Jesus could have came into this world, he came in a manger. He came in a feeding trough. He came in the most humble, in the most lowly of ways. There, 
a lot of people in town at this time. Everybody had to come and register. And so there were a lot of people around the area where they were. And there was no place that they could stay. There was nowhere available except for where the animals were kept. Now, what exactly this looked like, it's hard to say. Some have suggested perhaps it was a cave or maybe it was a barn of some sort or maybe it was a little shed. It's, it's hard to know exactly what, what it looked like, where they were. And it really doesn't matter because wherever it was, we see from the text that it was a place that was very humble. It was very lowly. It was nothing extravagant about this. He wasn't born in a, in a golden crib, in a, in a beautiful castle. He was born in a feeding trough. He was born in a manger. He was born in a place where animals would be found, but yet he was the savior of the world. Now, he's born in this place, and and likely no one really knows except for those who are right there nearby. That's probably not every day that a child is born, and especially in a feeding trough, and there probably wasn't much excitement about this child who was born. I'm sure Mary and Joseph were excited and maybe some around them who knew them, but it certainly was not a was not a, a miraculous and, and, and awesome thing that you would think the birth of the Savior of the world would be. And yet the word would soon spread by the angels who would visit the shepherds. Now of all the people that God could have revealed this message to, he revealed it to these shepherds. And the angels appear to these shepherds, and what does it say? That the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, what, a, what an amazing event that must have been. What that looked like, I have no idea, but I'm sure it was scary. When the glory of the Lord shows up for these shepherds who are out there at night just doing what they do, watching their sheep, making sure everything is okay, and the glory of the Lord appears and shines around them, and they are terrified in verse 10 but the angel said to them don't be afraid for look i proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people now you can imagine how scary that would be if an angel appeared to you we see this repeatedly through the scriptures when angels appear to people they are afraid it's a scary thing but the angel instantly says, hold up, everything is good. I'm not coming to you with bad news. I'm not coming to you for anything you need to be afraid of. I'm coming to you with good tidings of great joy, with good news, great joy. We see that a lot with our shoeboxes. That's the slogan for Samaritan's Purse, good news, great joy. He even says it on this shirt that I have here from Samaritan's Purse. And so that's kind of the idea. That's the, that's the motivation for, for that ministry is that that good news and that great joy that this angel brought all those years ago, that it continues to go into the world today. And over 10 million shoeboxes will go out into the world. And those children that receive them will hear the same message that this angel brought all those years ago. Look, I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy. And indeed it was. This was the best news that had ever been brought to the people of this world. Now, the scriptures had already said, God had already revealed that a Messiah was coming, a Savior was coming. But the angel is coming to say, he's here. He's here. He's here. Can you think about, have you ever been somewhere maybe where you were waiting on a celebrity or somebody famous to show up, maybe to get their autograph, and, and it begins to murmur, you're waiting in a long line, and all of a sudden you hear people say, He's here, he's here. Look, here he comes, here he comes. And we try to get our picture, we try to get that autograph. Maybe we've been in a situation like that where we've, where we've been in the presence of, of what would 
be considered greatness. And, and there's a certain excitement that comes. And certainly, of all the exciting times that there have ever been, this was the most exciting news when the angel saying, look, he's here, he's here, I'm telling you, good, good news, this is great joy, he's here, the Savior is here, he has been born to you, and I'm going to tell you more about him. It says here in the next, next verse, verse 11, today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born to you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying and a feeding trough. So they go to the shepherds, of all people that they could go to, they say, let me tell you this good news. Today the Messiah, the Christ, has been born to you, and here's how you will know when you see the Christ. Because perhaps there were other babies that had been born. There were a lot of people here, but they said, here's going to be the way that you're going to know. You're going to find this baby in a feeding trough. Now, I venture to say that there were no other babies that night that were born in a feeding trough. But yet Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, was. And the angel says, here's good news, and here's where you need to look for the Messiah. Now, this is probably counterintuitive. You know, if, if, if somebody were to come to us and tell us that, we might think, well, surely the, the king who is to come, the Messiah, is going to be in the palace. That might be the first place we look. But instead, the angel said, wait a minute, he's going to be in a, he's going to be in a feeding trough. He's going to be in a place of animals. He's going to be in a lowly place, in a humble place. And when you find this child there, you can know that this is the Christ, the Messiah who was to come. Verse 13, <clears throat> suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Now, a, a multitude of heavenly hosts. How many is a multitude of heavenly hosts? Well, that's a good question. It, it, it likely was a lot. Thousands, millions. I would venture to say it was probably every angel in heaven. I can't imagine that at the birth of the Savior that there were any angels that were sitting in the back saying, I'm busy. I can't, I can't go down there for that. I would, I would guess that every angel in all of heaven was part of this multitude who was saying, glory to God in the highest heavens, peace on earth and goodwill to men. The Savior of God is here. So I suspect ever how many angels there are, maybe hundreds of millions, I don't have a clue, but I suspect they were all there that night to give glory to God and to praise the newborn king. Let's continue on in verse 15. <clears throat> When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. Now, instantly, when they got this word from these angels, what was their response? They said, Let's go. They were excited with what God told them and what God had revealed to them. And they weren't just sitting around. They were saying, let's go. Let's do something about it. Let's go seek out what God has revealed to us. And that's a good, a good lesson for us to, to remember here. When God may reveal something to us or speak to us, are we so eager to listen to what God said? They were. They said, let's go. I mean, after all, they had just seen a multitude of heavenly hosts, and they had just gotten the best news that there has ever been. And so upon hearing that news, 
they went to do exactly what the angel told them to do, and that was look for the Messiah, and they found Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Verse 17, after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Okay, so they, they hear this good news from the angels. They go out, they seek the child that was, that was, uh, they were told about, and then what did they do? It said they reported to message, the message uh, they were told about this child. They went out and they told other people about the Messiah. They went out and told other people the good tidings of great joy. And in some sense, you could say that the shepherds were the first evangelists. They went out spreading this good news. And that's what we are called to do today in the same way that the shepherds did when we hear and receive the good news of the Messiah, of Jesus the Lord who was born and who ultimately as we continue the story we see that he was crucified and resurrected. It is our job to go and to tell others of this good news. Good news. Sin is in this world. Evil is in this world. But good news. I want to tell you good news. I want to tell you that there can be joy through the through the Savior that was born in Jesus Christ. And they continued to tell people about this good news that they had received and had seen. Verse 19, But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Think about what this must have been like for Mary. One, she was the first-time mother. That in and of itself is probably a phenomenal experience. But on top of being a first-time mother... She was the mother of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so you can imagine what this must have been like. It says that she was treasuring up all these things. She was soaking it all in. She was probably realizing exactly the, 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 the awesomeness of the moment that she was experiencing and involved in here. In verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard just as they had been told. Now, they had heard the good news. They had seen the good news. And how did they respond? They didn't just go back to tending their sheep and not think anything about it. They didn't just hear the good news of God and say, oh, we're not worried about that. No, they dropped what they were doing. They listened to the good news. They, they, they went so that they could seek out the Messiah. They found the Messiah. They told others about the Messiah, and they continued to praise God as they went on their way. Now, that's the same call that God has for you and I. When we look at the Scripture, when we see Jesus, how do we respond? Do we say, ah, oh, no, I don't, I don't care about that? Or do we say, wait a minute, the Messiah has been revealed to me. Let me seek him. Let me live for him. Let me follow his example. Let me tell others about him. And let me rejoice in him as I go about my daily life. That's what the shepherds did, and that's what you and I are called to do. That's a good example for us to follow. And so what about us tonight as we go on our way? Yeah, the shepherds had this encounter with the Lord, but eventually they had to go back into the fields. And you and I, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, what a glorious day that is. But when Monday comes, we go back to work. We're back in the world, and we have to continue to glorify God and live for Him. Why, why the Lord chose to reveal this great news to shepherds, I don't know. There are some good, good guesses as to why God may have revealed this news to shepherds. Perhaps He revealed it to shepherds because they were 
lowly and because they were humble. Maybe he revealed it to them for that reason. Perhaps those who were rich and those who were busy and those who were in the city and the hustle and bustle, perhaps it would have been too busy for them to pay attention to such news. But perhaps these lowly, poor shepherds were those who were going to be most willing to accept this news. And maybe that's why he came to them. Perhaps God was pointing us forward to who Jesus would be. Maybe he revealed this news to shepherds first because Jesus himself would be the good shepherd. Perhaps he was foreshadowing who Jesus was. Maybe he was saying Jesus is going to be much more like these men than the religious men in the city. God certainly could have sent his angels to the religious leaders in Jerusalem, but he didn't. And maybe it's because many of those religious leaders would be the very ones who would nail Jesus to the cross. And maybe that's the difference between the religious leaders and the lowly, she <coughs> lowly shepherds. The shepherds heard the news of Jesus and rejoice. The Jewish leaders heard the news of Jesus and they crucified him. So which ones will we be tonight? Which ones will we be? Those who hear the news and reject it are those who hear the news and rejoice in it. Let us be like the shepherds tonight and hear the good news of great joy and leave rejoicing in that news. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word and we thank you for this good story. And we thank you for the power that it is that Jesus has come and that he gave his life on a cross so that we could be forgiven. Dear Lord, I pray that you would help us to be like these shepherds, that we would hear your word, that we would rejoice in your word, and that we would do our best to share your word with those that we encounter, that we would share this good news of great joy, that there is good news, dear Lord, that even though we are sinners, there is forgiveness, that there is good news, dear Lord, even though we are not always lovable, you love us. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to rejoice in that this day and this season and every day and every season. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.